The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. If you're new, or even if you're not new, you might not know me. My name is Jake, and I just recently came on staff with The Refuge, and so privileged to, to be here with you and to share the Word of God. Uh, If you have your Bibles, you can open to Matthew chapter 15. Uh, We'll be looking at Matthew chapter 15 and some of 14 and some of 13, but we're going to go backwards in that order, so we'll we'll start in 15. If you've been reading through Matthew with us through the Read Scripture plan, um, you might have noticed one of the major themes of Matthew, and what we're going to be talking about, a major theme of Matthew is the king and his kingdom. Uh, Jesus will talk over and over about the kingdom of God, or also call it the kingdom of heaven in He'll teach about it, but he'll also do miracles and show things to demonstrate what his kingdom is like. And so that's what we're going to be kind of looking at today is what does it mean for Jesus to be bringing his kingdom? What is this king like? What is his kingdom like? And we're going to learn more about that today. So why don't we just pray? Father, uh, thank you for this morning. I just pray that you would speak to us. Open our ears to hear from you. Move away any of the distractions or stress or things that we're just bringing in that would try to keep us from hearing from you. Open our hearts to obey you. We want to hear from you, God. Before I close, maybe just take a few seconds on your own silently and just ask the Lord to speak to you through his word. Maybe you're here, you don't even believe in God, you're not sure, you're sitting, you're, why am I even here? I just ask you to take, take, a, take a risk right now, and even, even you silently say, God, if, if you're real, if this stuff is real, would you, would you speak to me today? Heavenly Father, speak to us, we want to hear from you, in Jesus' name, amen. So the question we're going to kind of be trying to answer is, what is the kingdom of God like? What, what is the kingdom? What is the kingdom of God like? Uh, and to help us answer that, it helps us to know what the kingdom of earth is like, what, what these two contrasts is like. So we're going to look at kind of three major contrasts from what the kingdom of heaven is like and what the kingdom of earth is like. One of the things that helps us realize what the kingdom of earth is like, the kingdom of earth is, is broken, right? There's hurting, there is pain, there is sickness, and we don't have to watch much news. We don't have to live much life to realize that. Right? I have a baby girl. She's 11 months old. A couple of months ago, maybe about a month and a half ago, she had a fall and broke her wrist. And it was the saddest thing. Like she had just learned to crawl, you know, so she was just, and every time she'd try to crawl, she'd put down this, this hand and just crumble and cry. And you're just like, oh, as a dad, it was just the most heart-wrecking thing. And it's like you're not even a year old and you already know some of the pain of the kingdom of earth. That, that just this, this isn't how the world should be. Little babies that just learned to crawl shouldn't, shouldn't have to have broken wrists. And she got a little cast. She learned to crawl with it and she's, she's doing better now. Um, but, or if you watch TV, the, the commercials. I love the commercials that are like for a, like a minor issue and then the side effects are like way, way worse, right? It'll be like... It'll be like, picture, you see the guy, he'll, he'll be sitting there like in anguish, and it'll be like, do you suffer from mild headaches in the morning? 
And there would be the guy there, and he's kind of like shaking his head. He's holding his head. He's like, oh, this guy's got a mild headache. And he'd be like, try Reduction AX. It's always got letters in the name or something, right? Try Reduction AX5. With Reduction AX5, sometimes your mild headaches will go away, right? And then it changes from like this anguish face to all of a sudden like this guy's in a meadow with a beautiful woman in a dress, and they're just like skipping. It's like, thanks to Reduction AX, now I can live a life of fulfillment and joy and marry this beautiful woman in the meadows. And then as they're like still walking in the meadows smiling, it'll list the side effects, right? And then just like list them like really quickly, like it's not a big deal. They're just like, and beware of some side effects, such things as vomiting and diarrhea and, uh, you know, rashes in uncomfortable places. Also, this may cause major migraines. That's right, it fixes mild headaches, but may cause a major migraine. It may cause you to grow a few extra toes. You, you may have an unwanted pregnancy. You may, you know, it could cause incredible acne breakouts. But don't worry, there's another mild medication that could fix that. Reduction AX, right? And it's just this idea of the kingdom of earth, even when we're trying to heal, even when we're trying to make healthy, even when we're trying to make whole, sometimes our side effects actually make it worse. And it shows us that we're actually surrounded by brokenness. And in even some of our best human efforts, we often, when we try to fix brokenness on our own, Sometimes it's relational, sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's spiritual. Often when we're trying to fix it on our own, we actually make it worse, don't we? This, this often happens. Sometimes in God's common grace, yes, there's amazing medicine, amazing. I mean, I can't imagine the amount of times where like, I've like, praised the Lord for antibiotics. Like near dying from strep throat one time and then like, a couple days of antibiotics. I'm like, thank you, Lord, for antibiotics. Like, right? But oftentimes we are more aware of the brokenness around us and our inability to do anything about that brokenness. And Jesus knows about this brokenness and he is the king of heaven. He comes to bring the kingdom of heaven into our brokenness. The, the first point on, on your guys' notes is this idea that Jesus is bringing a kingdom of wholeness into our kingdom of brokenness. This is good news. And we see this in Matthew chapter 15, uh, verses 29 through 31. It says, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on the mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. Just look at all of that physical brokenness, the, 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 just the pain and the anguish, and, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. And he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. I love this, that when Jesus comes, when he brings his kingdom, and one day the kingdom of heaven will fully reign over the kingdom of earth, is what the Bible says. In the end, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth, they, they, they meet, and the, the kingdoms of this world are utterly fully crushed, and the kingdom of heaven will reign forever, and forever and ever there will be wholeness. But now we can come to Jesus even now and begin to experience some of that wholeness now. Sometimes he heals now through our prayers through the church. Sometimes he's waiting until the day where he'll come and fully wipe away every tear, the Bible says. There'll be no more brokenness. And to help us know that this isn't just some empty promise, like, like a bad med medicine commercial, he actually came and began healing people. 
He says, you know what? In the kingdom of heaven, when I come fully, there'll be no more blind. Don't believe me? Watch, this guy can now see. There'll be no more lame. Don't believe me? See this lame person? They are no longer lame. See this sick person? They have been made well. And he didn't just bring physical wholeness. He also brought a spiritual wholeness, right? There's times in this story where we'll see that he'll forgive someone's sins before he heals their physical illness. And what he's doing, he's saying, I'm bringing a spiritual wholeness. That separation that sin causes... I'm going to heal that as well. That's the beauty. That's the hope. Think of all the brokenness that's just in and around your life right now. Hurt friends, relational. Some of you are walking in just deep loss. Loss of friendship, betrayal, hurt. Some of you are struggling through chronic pain. Jesus is going to one day fully heal all of that. That's the kingdom he's bringing. Isn't that good news? Next, uh, Jesus is bringing a kingdom of satisfaction into a kingdom of emptiness or hunger or want. And here's the thing. We, we live in a world that promises, so many things promise to satisfy us, right? They promise to satisfy us. And we buy into those promises, Right? Some of us, any, any like shopaholics in here, we're just like, if you get online and be like, man, this, this outfit will just make you just perfectly happy. And you'll be like, you know what? This outfit will make me perfectly happy. And then you buy the outfit and you get the outfit and you're like, I am perfectly happy. And then two days later, you're like, I got nothing to wear. <laughs> Come on. Right? Are you just like the perfect shoes? You get those perfect shoes and then they don't fit. And, but it's not just the clo- tons of things promised to satisfy that extra drink at night that puts you beyond sobriety to drunkenness, promises to satisfy. Our addictions promise to satisfy. Every moment you ignore a human being in front of you to look at your phone because your phone is promising through technology to give some sort of satisfaction to fulfill you. Relationships can promise to satisfy. How many of you have been on this treadmill of Man, I, I will be fully satisfied if I just get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Then you get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you're like, this person is a sinner. Right? Like, I'm not satisfied with this person at all. Or maybe you're dating and you're like, man, do they need to just pull the trigger already. If I could just get married, I'd be satisfied. And you get married and you're like, you know, this is nice and stuff, but you know what would really satisfy me if we had kids? And then you have kids and you go, whoa, that's not satisfying me. <laughs> Ain't wrong. Maybe I'll be satisfied once they grow up and leave the house, right? They grow up and leave the house, and you're like, now I'm kind of bored. Like, maybe I'll be satisfied if my kids would get married and we could have grandkids. And it's just one thing after another after another promising to satisfy. This work does this. School does this. Why do we go to school? Oh, so we can get good grades, so we can get into a, a, a better school, right? And so that we can get a degree, so we can get this bad entry-level job, but then if we you know, work really hard at that bad entry-level job, we can get a bad middle-level job, and if we work really hard at that, then we can get a good job, and then once we get that good job, maybe if we work really hard and save, we can retire, and then we retire, and then we're like, you know what, I'm kind of bored, and I miss, my, my miss working, and none of it satisfies. It leaves us still hungry, leaves us still wanting, it leaves us still desiring, and Jesus brings this good news that he is a king, with a kingdom that satisfies. Continue on with me. Matthew 15, 32. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. Notice this, that 
What is this king like? This king is filled with compassion. And he sees this people and sees that they are hungry, that they are wanting, that they are unsatisfied. And when Jesus sees us dissatisfied, he doesn't stand back and do nothing. He moves towards us with compassionate love and a compassionate love that satisfies. Let's continue on. Verse 33. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they turned to the people. They all ate, and I just love, this is what stuck out to me as I was reading through the, they all ate and were satisfied. So Jesus does this miracle to, to, to meet a physical want and desire and to, to satisfy through the loaves and the fish. But everything he does is also showing what his kingdom is like, right? And he satisfies both our physical hunger. He says, the Bible says that there will be no more hungry when the kingdom of heaven fully comes. But it also says in Matthew 5 that those that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. He's going to satisfy our physical desires. He's going to satisfy the deep desires of our soul and our spirit. This is the satisfaction that the king of heaven and only the king of heaven can bring us. This is amazing good news. It says, they all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. He not only satisfies, but there's an abundance. The Bible says this way, that in, in him, in his fullness, talking about Jesus, in his fullness is grace upon grace. Other words, in another place in the Bible, it says he lavishes us with grace. See, he's not the one that satisfies for just a second, like that brand new t-shirt that you get and then leaves you dissatisfied shortly after. No, he satisfies and he doesn't run out of satisfaction. In his fullness is grace upon grace. He lavishes us with the satisfaction that, that we need both physically and spiritually. Only King Jesus can satisfy your deepest wants and desires. I want you to ask yourself today, where am I looking for satisfaction outside of Jesus? Be honest. Where am I looking for satisfaction outside of Jesus? Is it money? Is it a promotion? Is it an adventure? Is it a relationship? Only Jesus can satisfy you. If you're looking for satisfaction anywhere outside of Jesus, you will only find it in fleeting doses. Only Jesus can fulfill what your heart and soul deeply longs for, which is him and his kingdom. Let's continue on. We'll jump uh, back now. We're going to move backwards to chapter, chapter 14. And the truth we want to talk about here is that Jesus is bringing a kingdom of peace into a kingdom of chaos. The kingdoms of this world are constantly jockeying, battling, knocking heads. It is, just, it is a world of chaos. Right? You only have to wake up and just read the paper. 
right? There's nothing more depressing than reading the paper or watching the news. Right? You're going to be like, you can be in such a good mood. Like, Man, this is, the sun is out, the sky is blue. Let's watch the news. What? Port Orchard is going to blow up. There's like mines floating around in the bay. Like what is going on? Right? The world is chaotic. Oftentimes the world out there will, will upset us, but really it's the world around us that most bothers our souls, right? It's the chaos in and around our lives. Some of this chaos is talking, it comes from the very things we've already talked about. The chaos that comes from being dissatisfied, or the chaos that comes from, from the brokenness that's within your life. Or there's just these circumstances that are completely overwhelming. You ever just sound yourself in a circumstance and you're just, you're overwhelmed, you're, you're gripped by fear, you're gripped by anxiety. You know, uh, both antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds are, are the highest in the Western world of anywhere else in the world. Like we are an anxious people, an anxious people. We are overwhelmed by our circumstances. Some of us didn't sleep last night because we were crippled with anxiety. There's something in our life that's stressing us out. There's chaos that we can't control. Our life feels out of our control. And it is out of your control. God is in control of your life. That's part of what causes so much of this chaos is us as humans who are meant to worship the one who is in control are busy trying to gain control. And the reality is we'll never be in control of everything in our life. And so it's only causing us stress, anxiety, and fear as we try to control what is uncontrollable. That was not in the notes. That's a bonus. Okay. Let's jump into the story. Uh, chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. This, as we read through Matthew, is a regular practice. You're going to see this in Mark even more. Regular practice of Jesus. Just goes alone to pray. Goes alone to pray. Goes alone to pray. Uh, not a part of the sermon, but just to pay attention to that practice. If Jesus is walking in that way, uh, I think we will be incredibly benefited by imitating that practice of his. After he had dismissed them, he went up to Mount Side by himself to pray. Read that already. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. So let's set this scene here. The disciples have been sent out. Jesus went up to pray by himself. And they're sent out in the middle of the sea at night, and the waves are starting to crash against the boat. And I don't know if you have spent much time out in the sea, but anytime there's waves, you just start feeling small very quickly. Like the sea is humongous. I'll go out just like, yeah, on a little bay, and if the waves start getting rocky, you just, there's a little part of you that goes, eh, I'm feeling a little nervous now, right? It just, it is something that shows us how out of control we are. Um, I just moved up from San Diego, and uh, I didn't really surf, but what I did, did do is I would take a really big board and I'd go try not to drown. And that was like kind of what, like, do you surf? And be like, I try not to drown. That's, that's, that was kind of the, but there'll be times, there's a couple times I've gotten caught in riptides. I mean, you just, when 
you realize, like, I am puny. Like, if you've ever felt the power of the ocean or the power of the sea, it very quickly makes you feel tiny and helpless. And that's how these disciples are feeling. It's night. There's waves crashing. They're feeling tiny and helpless. All of a sudden, they see someone out walking on the water. They think it's a ghost. Now they're even more freaked out. And this is what Jesus speaks. He says this, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And I just want to encourage you that no matter how chaotic your circumstances are right now, this same King of Heaven speaks to you. Take courage. Or in the ESV it says, take heart. It is I. That He is there and He is with us. Do not be afraid. The Bible says that there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. So much of our anxiety and our stresses are coming from being ruled by fear. But, but we worship a God of love who loves us perfectly with the perfect love that casts out fear. Isn't that amazing? He invites us in the midst of our chaos. I love that he says that while the waves are still crashing. In the midst of our chaos. And he says, it is I who... The one that just fed a bunch of people that were hungry. He does it earlier too, so I can say he just did it. Right? He, didn't, he does it uh, right before this story, and he does it again right after this story. The one who just healed a bunch of sick. It is I, the one who brings wholeness. It is I, the one who satisfies. It is I. You can have peace in the midst of chaos, because I am here. That's what Jesus is saying to them. And let's continue on. Verse 28 says, Lord, if it's you, this is Peter. Peter, just a dude like us. says, tell me, if you're a dudette, just jump in, like a human being like us, okay? Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. He got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. And look at, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. So the waves are going. Jesus meets with them. Peter says, call me out here. And Jesus says, come. And what is this story? Jesus, in the midst of your chaos right now, in the midst of the things that is causing you anxiety right now, in the midst of your lack of peace right now, see, I love that Jesus is walking on this water while the waves are still going. He'll get in the boat, and then there'll just be this incredible peace that just hits, that's just like, you know, rad Jesus stuff. But before he does that, he's walking on the water. It hasn't been calmed. And what's, what, what's that showing is this king... This king transcends the chaos of earth. He transcends the chaos of earth. And now look at this. This normal dude. This just this guy will waver. This guy will doubt. This guy will struggle. Peter. Jesus invites him to transcend the same chaos by coming to him. What this means for us is that no matter what junk is going on in your life right now, 
you can have a peace that rises above the chaos in and around your life. How? By walking towards Jesus. Peter walks on the rocky waves. Then he looks and he sees the wind and he loses that transcendence, right? He's overwhelmed once again by his circumstances. And this is, this is a lot what it looks like for us to follow Jesus and know his peace now. We, we have these moments where we just, in the midst of it, we see Jesus. He says, it is I. He says, come. And we say, yes. And we just get overwhelmed by this peace. But then don't we so quickly go, oh my goodness, but how am I going to pay these bills? And how is this going to happen? And this is going to, and then boom, we just start sinking again. And then he'll cry out for Jesus to save him. What does Jesus do? He pulls him out, brings him into the boat, and then the circumstances are settled. So Jesus' kingdom can give us peace even in the midst of his chaos. And also, Jesus' kingdom, sometimes this comes now where he just fully resolves your circumstance to bring you peace. But one day, he will come fully and all the wind and waves of life will be calmed by Jesus when he comes in his fullness. And we can take peace in that promise, even now. Amen? So what is the kingdom like? The kingdom brings wholeness. The kingdom brings satisfaction. And the kingdom brings peace. The kingdom brings peace. If we doubt Jesus, what he is like in his character... We can be reminded of these truths as we look to the cross. At the cross, we see that Jesus, the one who was perfectly whole, became broken so that we might be whole. His body was broken for you on the cross so that you could be eternally whole. What other king will do that for you on this world? What other thing promising wholeness to you would do that for you? Only Jesus loves you with that type of love. At the cross, one of the last things that Jesus says on the cross is he says, I thirst. And I believe there's a physical thirstiness that he's experiencing there. But if we read through the whole story of God, which we've been doing, when the Bible talks of thirstiness, when the Bible talks of water, when the Bible talks of living water, it's often talking about that deep soul satisfaction. And so I believe when Jesus is saying that on the cross, that he is, he's experiencing a physical thirst, but he's also for the first time experiencing the lack of satisfaction that taking on the sin of the world brings. That he thirsts, that his soul was thirsty so that your soul might be satisfied. What other thing that promises satisfaction will satisfy you like that? No one, nothing loves you like Jesus loves you. At the cross, Jesus took on all the sin, all the brokenness, all the chaos, the chaos of betrayal, the chaos of accusations, the chaos of lies, the chaos of torment and torture and death so that we might have eternal peace. Jesus, in a sense, drowned as he was buried in that tomb so that you and I might walk in water for all of eternity. What other king would do that for you? What other king loves you like that. Church, this is the beauty of our king and the beauty of his kingdom. And how do we know? How do we know he'll really make us whole? How do we know he'll really satisfy? How do we know he'll really give us peace? Because after he was broken and after he was 
experienced thirstiness deep in his soul. And after the chaos buried him and drowned him in the grave, three days later he rose again, defeating it all. He burst forth in new life, light shining in the darkness, saying, I am the one bringing wholeness into brokenness. I am the one bringing satisfaction to your emptiness. I am the one who brings peace into the chaos. Last thing I want us to just look at. Chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Church, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, if you're here and you're following Jesus, Jesus in his kingdom is like a treasure that it's worth getting rid of everything else to gain. Wouldn't you give it all up to have eternal wholeness, eternal satisfaction, and eternal peace? Jesus is the treasure and the pearl. Give it all up and you'll gain so much more.